Thank God for his goodness and his mercy. Amen. God is so good to us, better to us than we are to ourselves. It's good to be in the house of the Lord one more time. Amen. For those of you that have been praying for Mama Allen, keep praying for her. I went to see her today, and she is doing all right. <laughs> she is doing all right. I told her I'd come back tomorrow and see her again. So she almost threatened me and said, make sure. I said, come on, Mama. If I tell you I'm coming back tomorrow, I'm coming back, unless you go home. She did say she was ready to go home. I said, well, whenever the Lord is ready for you to go home, you'll go home. But continue to keep her in your prayers. Um, as I told uh, Sister Sylvia, I said, Mama Allen and Jesus have a great relationship. They're good friends, man. She's been talking to the Lord a long time, and she's still talking to him. And if you sit with her long enough, she'll give you some stories about the conversations she had with them. So uh, Mama Allen is just fantastic, and uh, we thank God for her. Amen. We're going to continue our lesson that we started uh, a couple weeks ago on change is possible. Change is possible. And I'm, I'm teaching these things because I am looking forward to us changing together. You've been hearing me say that where we are, and that includes me, where we are is not where God expects for you to continue to be spiritually. And so God is expecting us to continue to grow. He's taken us someplace. And the only way we can get there is if we allow him to change us. And we have to put ourselves in his hands and say, not my will, but your will be done. Uh, I can share a lot of things with you, which I will tonight, but here's something that I'll share with you. <laughs> um, it's easy, um, Brother Tom mentioned about swim, swimming upstream, and um, you know, basically it's just the challenges of life that we have to deal with on a consistent basis. And I can tell you the best way to handle the challenges of life is to get so locked in and so in line with what Jesus is doing in your life that the distractions won't have much impact. I've lived it and I continue to live it from the standpoint of what am I telling you? That when you're, when you're locked in with doing the Lord's will, when you're in alignment with the Lord Jesus Christ, the distractions come, but they don't really have a lot of impact because your singular focus of just pleasing God and just doing God's will just keeps you going. And so it's just, it, it, I can't explain it. I can only tell it to you and hope you catch on to it. But when your singular focus is to please the Lord Jesus Christ, whenever the tough times come, and, and I believe this was, the, uh, this, this was the key to those people in, in Scripture that we've read that overcame these obstacles and overcame the challenges. It's because they had a singular focus. And I, I have to say this to you. Uh, we have to ask ourselves, are we afraid? 
are we afraid? And that's why we don't want to have a singular focus in doing all that God wants to do in our life. Are we afraid? Because you see, if you are afraid, you calculate everything that you have to do, and that includes the things of God. But when you become reckless concerning God, then you will not be afraid and you will be full speed ahead. And no matter what comes, yes, there are times, let me tell you this, it doesn't matter how perfectly you can live for God, you will still have people criticize you. You can live for God as perfectly as you can and somebody will criticize you. I... If you listen to our general superintendent's message at general conference last Thursday night, I believe it was an awesome message, a wonderful message. And I got a, um, um, a social media uh, text, post, whatever you want, of um, people from other denomination that was trying to dissect what he was saying. So they weren't happy with it. And so I am just telling you, no matter how much you live for God, how perfectly you live for God. And you might think, I'm doing well. Somebody's going to have a, 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 a dig at you. Somebody's going to say something about you that's negative. So if you're trying to live this life without criticism and without anybody taking a dig at you, and that's why you're kind of living for God the way you are, you might as well forget it. Because someone is going to talk about you no matter how well you live for God. Somebody say praise God. Amen. I was, remember a few weeks ago I talked about, I taught on the topic of we are apostolic Pentecostals. And um, there are some people that will be quick to call you and me um, oneness Pentecostals. And I don't know where the name came from. It might even be among us that gave us the title Oneness Pentecostals. Um, and so, unfortunately, there are people that will um, have comments about Oneness Pentecostal or Oneness Pentecostalism. Uh, we know why we say we believe in one God. And so they figure since we are Pentecostals, who believe in one God, we're oneness Pentecostals. And if you want to label it that, it, it's not inaccurate. But I still want to tell you it is so important that you know as a believer, forget about, again, denominations. Denominations, is, it's dangerous. But if you will say, I am an apostolic Pentecostal, you can back it up in Scripture. You can say some other things, which we'll, we will understand. That's great. But you got to understand that because you are going to be a witness and you would be put in position to make clear what you believe and what you understand the scripture says, you have to know when to be uh, politically correct or scripturally correct, I should say. And, and that is we are apostolic Pentecostals. And we don't apologize for that because that is biblical. And... Let's not make ourselves to be separate because really and truly, and I've been saying this for a long time, really and truly, there is one church. And, and when we use these denominational terms, 
it make it seem like there's a lot of different division of us. There's only one church. And so if we want to break it up in different division, that's on us, not on God. One church and the one church that God established upon this rock will I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. One church and that is the apostolic Pentecostal church. That's what he established. He didn't establish any other church. And why are you saying that, preacher? Because it says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. It says on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, it talks about how we received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So we are apostolic Pentecostals. That's who we are. That's the church God established. And we have to be comfortable with that and realize we're not a division of, one, of God's church. God only had one church. He only died for one church. Everybody else with whatever their denomination is, let's just look at it from this perspective. They're working towards coming to the knowledge of the complete truth. Everybody else that's not an apostolic Pentecostal, they're still working on coming into the complete fulfillment of the truth of the word of God when it comes to our salvation and all the different things that God requires. Don't back down from that. I am teaching you so when you encounter certain discussions, because all of a sudden we're the smart, as a people, we're smarter than we've ever been. So now everyone has a voice and everyone challenges everyone. And all you need to know is this book. And when you know this and you're challenged, you just open this thing up and says, okay, here is what I believe according to the word of God. That's what we need to know. Not tradition, not what the pastor told me, but what the word of God says. Now, hopefully the pastor is telling you what the word of God says, but, but we need to know the word of God for ourselves. We have to stop being, we have to move from consumer to, Lord, I'm asking for permission to use this word, from consumer to retailers. We're being consumers. Well, we're supposed to be retailers. God is the originator. We come in alignment with him. What he gives us, we distribute. We are distributors. We're not consumers. And as long as we live our life as consumers, we will never get to where God wants us to be because we're just being like everybody else, consuming when we have enough to become distributors. That's the mentality that I'm trying to get our church to move to. Hopefully the churches in the North Central Jersey District, hopefully the, the entire body of Christ in the Northeast, hopefully we'll start to see things that way where we realize we are not consumers. So many of us have enough to last us a lifetime. And sometimes we think that, my goodness, I don't know if I can. You have enough God in you. If you have the Holy Ghost like I got the Holy Ghost, we've got enough God in us to last us a lifetime. If you have been in the church for three years, you have enough God in you to last you a lifetime. I say this when I teach home Bible studies. When I get done teaching a home Bible study, the person that really allowed themselves to be taught a home Bible study knows more than the average pastor in the United States of America. 
So I'm not asking you, I'm telling you, you have more than enough that you have to be a retailer, a distributor, and not so much of a consumer. You've got it. I just have to convince you that you have it so you can go and live that way and not continue to say, well, I need, I need, I need. You've got all that you need already. And we'll work on getting you to understand that. All right. So let me revisit some things that I mentioned last week um, about... Uh, change is possible. Let me mention some things and then I'll get into the meat of what I want to talk about tonight. We talked about um, why do people resist change? We, we asked the question last uh, couple of weeks ago, why do people resist change? And we said they resist change because they are content. Okay. We said they resist change because they lack understanding. We say they resist change because they're not willing to pay the price. We say they, they, they resist change because they are tradition bound. They like their tradition and they don't want their tradition to be interfered with. Can I slide this in? I went to go see Mama Allen today and there was a lady that was sitting with her. And so, of course, I got to get my little joke in. I said, so you're sitting with Mama Allen to make sure she don't climb out the bed, huh? And the lady said, no, she's been good. But anyway, listen to this story. So Tom was telling me a story um, Sunday that he'd been going to a certain laundromat and, you know, been doing his thing there for years. And then this, this lady came up to him at the laundromat finally one time and, um, last week and said, hey, I noticed you're reading your Bible. And he says, yes. And she said, you know, I kind of know the Bible too, but there's some, just some things I can't understand sometimes, right? So he was like, well, I'm willing to teach your Bible studies, what he told her. And she's like, yeah, I'm interested in doing that. But I guess they went their separate ways, and that was it. Well, today the lady that was sitting with Mama Allen asked me for a church card. I gave it to her. She said, I have this card. And she started telling me the story about the man that witnessed to her in the laundromat. She's sitting with Mama Allen right now in the hospital. <laughs> if you don't think God is doing something, I don't know. So we don't want to be tradition bound is what I'm trying to tell you. We get stuck in tradition. And, and, and trust me, this lady is, she says she go to Beauty Grove Baptist Church. And so you can tell she's a woman that fears God and she, she's faithful to her church. But God is pulling traditional people that don't have all the truth. You hear me? All the truth. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't say they don't have truth. I said they don't have all the truth. He's pulling some of them out of their tradition-bound situation so they can learn truth. One of the reason why, another reason why people resist change is because they fear loss. We believe that if we start doing what God wants us to do, People are going to not want to be around us because they're going to figure we're just different and, and we're not doing what they're doing. So we don't want to lose our friends. We don't want to lose our family. And you know what's interesting about that? Why are we worried about losing people uh, when we know that this is the truth and this is what's going to save our soul? Can I tell you this? Make up your mind that if people back away from you because of this, don't you be shaken, just hold tight, because here is what I want you to know. God will use you to reach them. 
they just, it's just hard for them at the time. It's a reason why God called you and not them first. In all of our families, I'm always quick to point out, I said, why do you think God chose you among your family members first? God knows what he's doing. So when God called you to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, just go ahead and if you lose some friends to begin with, it's okay. God will use you to help those same people get saved, and live a life of salvation. It might be immediate where immediately when you live for God that they decide, ah, you know, my buddy, my best pal, now they're, they're in the church and now I just can't do the church thing. Well, you know, we got to respect one another. Here we go. Um, I'm just talking to you tonight. Let me talk to you. Uh, it's like this. We, we got to the place in life with the mask. I know we, they do it on the airplane. Where they said, listen, people still can wear their masks and people can, um, we're not mandating masks. If people choose to wear masks, don't, don't get on their case. And if people cho- choose not to wear a mask, don't get on their case. We don't do good as people respecting what each other believe in. We don't do good. And so know that from the beginning that, that if, if your friends and your family is backing away from you because you decide you want to live for God, just know that's just kind of how we are as people. We don't do well in saying, well, I respect what you're doing. Keep doing your thing. You're still my friend. I'm going to keep doing my thing because I do what I do. And we don't do good at that. But just understand that when they back away from you, you might be the very person that can reach them. So you don't want to get an attitude with them. You don't want to be mean. You don't want to start talking bad about them because you might be the very person that God will use to reel them in when their time comes. Because all of us have different timetable as to when we can uh, really impact somebody's life. I just came back from, from um, back to school night from my kids' school. And one of the classes I was in, man, I want to get in, I want to go to that class every day. She's on her class, social studies class. She's going to teach them about... Um, geography and about religion and a man she said I'm going to teach them about why people live where they live and why people function I wanted to be in that class good class I don't know if you have that class Peyton that was Jordan's class that I was in and she talked about that but while I was looking around on the board and everything I saw this sign if it doesn't challenge you it doesn't change you Man, why the world have these things that they I'm just like, they, the world just steal all of this goodness, all of this good stuff. They steal it and take out whatever spiritual meaning behind it and make it for themselves. And here we are like we're struggling to live for God when they have taken our God stuff and using it for their profit. And we're here looking like we're struggling to live for God. That's what, that's what she wrote on the board. That was one of the things on the board. If it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. And we as Christians, we, 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 let me just use this word and forgive me if I offend you. We punk out real quick when we get challenged as Christians. We're ready to back up as Christians when we get challenged. And the world say, bring it on, let's go. I'm ready to fight this fight. But as soon as we get challenged as Christians, If we don't get challenged, we're, we're not going to change and we're not going to grow. We learn more from challenges than we will learn by everything just being in agreement with us. 
All right. All right, let's move. Our goal as Christians should not be to learn the word of God only. We must also do whatever is necessary to be changed, transformed by the word of God and the power of his spirit. It's not supposed to be just learning, again, just learning the word. It's a consumer mentality. We're supposed to study the word to to add to what we already know. So so it's almost like we're just uh, restocking so we can continue to distribute. But we can't take the word almost like, man, I need a word. I need a word. Y'all remember that? I need a word. We got plenty of word in us. Believe me when I tell you. Our goal should not just be informative, but to be informative or to be informed, but it must also be a goal to be transformed. We need to be transformed, not just to be informed. Somebody say amen. So we talked about this. It is important that we ask ourselves, are we changing Are we growing and developing? If not, why? Since you have been in church, ask yourself, are you changing, growing, and developing? Got to ask yourself that. And if you answered yourself no, then you should say, well, why? Why am I not growing, changing? developing. Why? Can you look back and don't lie to yourself? Don't lie to yourself. Listen, I've learned that even in my life, I can plateau and be at a certain level. It might be a good level of a lot of understanding, a lot of knowledge, but I'm still plateauing and I don't want to be plateauing. As long as I'm living, I want to keep growing. I got a call. I got two calls Yesterday, I'm getting nervous, and I have to learn how to, um, you know, I got to pray about, I I hate to say I got to pray about these things, because I just like to serve God. And so I got a call from Bill Hobson, North American Missions Secretary, and he says that he need me to lead a group of North American missionaries in just talking about, you know, what it's like to plant a church. And so that's one of the programs we're doing around the organization. I said, Bill, you're my man, I love North American Missions, so you know I'll do it. Then I got a call from my buddy, my pal, Dave Henry. He is the Building the Bridge director. And he says, I, I need your help. I, I need to move some things in Building the Bridge. And I just feel like things are stagnant. And I feel like you can help us move some things. Will you be a part of our committee? And he, my friend, so I said, yes. So now, I'm, I'm, after I said yes to both people yesterday, I'm saying, how am I going to be doing all this stuff? I don't like to say no to God. Because I just feel like his ministry, and when his ministry is doing the work of God, I don't want to say no. But I say that just to say to you, I try not to plateau. When I find myself at a place where everything is familiar, I, 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 I'm not comfortable. I want to start, I want to get into territories that's unfamiliar as I'm living for God. So it's okay to be familiar for a while, because, you know, maybe you got to perfect what you are learning and that's cool 
But after a while, if you've been in that same kind of environment as far as spiritually for a long time, you need to ask God, is there more, Lord? Because I want to move forward. I want to I want to go deeper. They say, in case you don't know this, I'll tell you this. They say, uh, like really great athletes, they conjure up stories in their mind so they can continue to compete. So they, they, they get stories that you're like, it's not even a real story. But, they, but this is what keeps them on edge. This is what just, just fuel their competitive juice. And that's how they become better and not stay stagnant. So I say that to say to us, if you're always familiar with your surrounding, that's a good indicator that you're not growing. You have to become uncomfortable. And I'm, I'm, again, I, I'm telling you from the word, but I also can tell you from my, from my own self. And I can, I can think of every moment, well, maybe not every, but a lot of the moments when I was in an uncomfortable place position in God. And I said, this is uncomfortable. But I didn't stop. And and there is, hear me church, please, many of us are again afraid of that. We don't want to be in any uncomfortable situation. So we, we, we stay away from any situation that will make us uncomfortable. And that's why we're not growing. We stay away from it. We have people that, I'll give you this, I'm just transparent as can be. Some of us don't go to conferences because, it's not because we can't afford it, but it's going to challenge us. It's going to stretch us. And so the best way to, to keep living a comfortable lifestyle is to stay away from uncomfortable environments. As long as I am in a comfortable environment, I am not challenged. I don't have to grow. And, and, and guess what? I don't have to be accountable if I'm in that environment that's just comfortable. But once you step into an environment that you are uncomfortable, now you know you become accountable. I watched, you know, as I mentioned the other day when I had a chance to minister devotion at the general board I watched, and that might be a little bit contributing to a lot of stuff that's come in my life, and I'm like, come on now. And so, but, but what happened was they sat back, and I was new. I was the new guy on the block, three years, new guy on the block. So just imagine I'm sitting on a board of men that are six and seven and eight generation of Pentecost, men that's been on the district board for 20 and 30 years, 10 and 12 years. I'm talking about these men eat, sleep, all this stuff. They know this thing from inside out. And here come this boy that don't know nothing, that ain't been around that long, and now I'm sitting on their board with them. And so they got to scope me out. Let me see what's up. But think about this. While I'm sitting around in that environment, am I comfortable? Because in my mind, I know the least. Everybody on this board know more than me. What I could have done, which I know people have done, what I could do, Brother Chuby, is I don't go to these meetings. Every time general board meeting come around, I just won't show up. That's what I could do to make sure I don't have to be stretched, I don't have to grow, I don't have to be accountable. That's what I could do. But I don't do that. I sit there and be uncomfortable until I learn. 
I hope you're learning something from what I'm doing. I'm just talking. I am just talking. Because I'm trying to show you how we grow. And, and when we stay in any comfortable environment, we're not growing. We just stay in a dominant position. Because we know we can dominate this position. I just told you, the greatest of athletes, they know they can dominate certain people. They want, this is why, some, I don't want to divert, but some of y'all might know and some won't know. This is why uh, some of the, um, the old timers don't have the same respect for LeBron, Ethan. Because, because, because LeBron had looked to play with the good players, not play against the good players. And all the great players, they wanted to play against great players because they know Iron, come on, man. they stealing our stuff, guys. They stealing our stuff. Iron sharpens iron. But if we just, you know, put ourselves in this easy situation, we won't get sharp. We'll stay the same. Don't be afraid of being in an uncomfortable situation. It means change is taking place. If you stay in that uncomfortable situation long enough, change is taking place. Change is possible. We don't have to worry or fear it. It is possible. And it's up to us if we experience change. If we continue to be transformed and grow, it is possible. But we have to be okay with being in uncomfortable situations. Somebody say amen. Many people make it through life by coping, not changing. Many people make it through life by coping, not changing. There's a lot of things that we just put up with. We just put up with it because we don't have a choice. But that wasn't God's intent. God's intent was to allow things, to situations to change you and push you closer to him and, and move you into God's will for your life. Not to make you say, I guess I'll just go with the flow. So many people make it through life by coping, not changing. Remember we talked about this. Change will happen when we ask questions, not when we seek answers. Remember what I told you last a couple weeks ago? We are a generation that's seeking answers. And when you seek after answers, you will get answers, but you probably won't change. Because we're just looking for answers so we can know. We can have the knowledge. But when we ask questions, it's because we want to do something about it. You ask questions because you want to do something about it. Ask the kids. When they ask questions, it's because they want to know what to do. But if we just want answers, doesn't do good for us. Remember I told you when we were growing up, I don't know what they're doing now. When you did the vision, you had to do it the long way, and you had to turn in your paper with the long way. When you did multiplication, you had to do it the long way and turn in all your papers with the long way so they realized how you came to the answer, and you didn't just put an answer. You didn't just guess because they wanted to see how you got there. Because when we learn the process, 
it's, it's, we, we are more positioned to implement, to, to be changed. But if we're just getting answers, I need a word, I need a word, I need a word. We get a lot of word, answers. What does it do? Nothing. We just understand. Yeah, because I see what God was doing. Okay, good. Now what? Change will happen when we ask questions. Not just when we seek answers. Jesus welcomed questions as we mentioned. He also asked questions. Many times Jesus answered a question with asking a question. (laughs) In fact, the synoptic writer, our writers, recorded 187 times where Jesus answered a question with a question. Questions are an important part of learning so you can be changed. Jesus' questions made people think for themselves and examine their heart. His use of questions helped stimulate learning as can be seen in Peter's disclosure of whom Jesus was. We know he asked them in Matthew chapter 16, 13 through 16, who do men say that I am? And finally they gave him all these answers. Then he says, all right, all right, all right. Who do you think I am, boys? And Peter stepped up and says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. So he wanted to make sure they knew. Why did he just say, well, y'all been with me for a little bit. So by now y'all know I'm the Messiah. I'm trying to tell you, answers. Uh, we've got to be careful running after answers. Answers. He could have just gave them the answer, but he did not because Jesus' intentions, his intention for us is that we grow, is that we are changed. He doesn't want us just to have all these answers and be stagnant. So he challenges us so we can be changed. Somebody say, help me, Jesus. <laughs> Like the rabbis of the day, Jesus was clever in his use of questions. And so in Matthew twenty-two twenty, he says, uh, and he said unto them, whose is this image and subscription or superscription, I should say. They say unto him, Caesar's. Then said he unto them, render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God's. And so he's trying to teach them something so they can learn and know what to do. So questions is a big part of us learning so we can be changed. After we obtain answers to our questions, because we ask questions, right? We got answers. We must apply those answers by doing what the Lord requires. What do you mean by that, preacher? Experts have concluded, studied and concluded that people learn more by what they do as opposed to what they hear, read, or see. I said that last couple couple weeks ago when I taught on this lesson. Now, here is what I'm telling you. So, we will, this is very important for me to say to you. I can teach deep things. If we want to go deep. And you're like, man, that's deep. But here is the fact of the matter. God is so good. And he is so clever. And have all wisdom. What's the, 
What's the point of teaching deep things if we're not doing the shallow things? And when we teach deep things and we didn't do the shallow things, we won't really understand the meaning of the deep things. Because God is a God that leads us step by step. And unfortunately, sometimes we're trying to step over steps to get to the next spot, and that's not how the Lord operates. He will never operate like that. He doesn't allow us to jump over a whole lot of steps. No, step by step in his way of bringing us along, it's by step by step so we can learn what he wants us to learn so we can experience change. And so what's going on is, and what I guess this is the sticking point here, is until we start doing what we have learned so we can be changed, we will still stay in the same place where we've always been. Why well, are pastor and teaching some deep things? Because pastor is looking for the things that are shallow that's been taught to now get implemented. That's why sometimes we can't go deep. Because it doesn't make any sense to go deep if we're not dealing with shallow. So all the shallow things that we're supposed to be doing, we need someone to, to be on the sound, in the sound booth. We need people to operate our sound booth, our audio visual. We need more men for praise and worship. We need more people to teach, uh, uh, our, well, Sunday school classes when we get going with the rest of the kids and even the adult class. We, we have a lot of people teaching there, but we need people to serve not because we want people to serve in the church, but that's God's way. I talked about it Sunday. That's God's way of developing you, gets you to serve. And so in you serving, you learn some things that God will show you. So serving is not because the pastor wants you to serve in the church, in the local church. No, that's God's way of developing us by serving. When we don't serve, we won't learn things. We won't be developed. We won't get to do the things that God is telling us to do. So that's why it's important. There is no person in this church that's too young to serve. And there's no person in this church that's too old to serve. If God is putting something in your heart, okay, and I got to clear this up. I guess I got to clear this up because it's the other thing that we worry about when we talk about serve. People are worrying about standards. I don't know what I'm ever going to do about that because God's church is not like the world. The world have requirements, Brother Kellerman. That's the thing that drives me crazy. And, and this is the thing I always say that I feel bad for God for. And God, you might say, don't feel bad for you. You got it. But I feel bad for God about this because if we go and work at some organization out in the world, they have certain kind of requirements that you must adhere to to work for that company. And then we come into the church and then the pastor tell you, well, these are the requirements to be a part of this. And we're like, that ain't all necessary. I just got to go someplace else. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. And remember what I told you. The day you felt led to this church, that you feel like God led you here, God already knew what he would teach and instruct me to do in this church. So he led you here knowing what I would tell you. So if he had a problem with it, if God had a problem with it, he would have led you to another church where you wouldn't have that issue. 
So if he led you here, it means he knows what you are going to get because he's given me what to give you. And if he led you here, it means you ought to just do what he wants you to do. That's why he led you here. If he wanted you to be someplace else, that's where he will lead you. So it shouldn't be a big deal to say, you know, some of us are walking around knowing we want to be in ministry, but we're not willing to sacrifice and adhere to the standards that that ministry requires. So we just chill. Therefore, we don't change. We stay in the same place. We don't allow ourselves to become uncomfortable. To say, man, I usually don't do this, but you know what? How about this? I usually don't do this. You heard what I told Brother Hobson when he called me? Brother Hobson, as I told you, is the secretary for the North American Missions, um, um, North American Missions um, um, Division of our organization. And when Brother Hobson called me, I'm in Philadelphia, walking across the street to go to Starbucks. I'm talking, Brother Hobson, what's up, my man? And he's like, I need you, brother. I, I said, you know what I said? Anything for Nam. Why? In case y'all ain't following it, North American Missions is the mother for church in the day. Church in the day is why we got, in this, got into this place in a couple of months. They gave labor, they gave money, and here we are. And so when he called me, I said, anything for y'all, Brother Hobson? Because if we really are grateful for what God is doing, why are we worrying about what is required? Why is requirement a problem? Are you grateful that God did something for you? Why is requirement such a big deal? Just tell me what I need to do because I want to do what God wants me to do. And if it means I got to sacrifice this, no problem. Because I'm not doing it unto the pastor. I'm not doing it unto the ministry leader. I'm doing it unto the Lord. So tell me what I need to do. I don't care about your standards. I'll do whatever the standards, whatever the standards say. That's, I am not focused on the standards. I am focused on what I'm doing. The standards is just nothing to me. It shouldn't be to any one of us because the bottom line is I want to do something for God. So if you tell me I got to walk around the sanctuary with my shoes off and, I, and, 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 and that's the only way I'm going to do what I want to do for God, then so be it. Remember the woman that had a problem with David's way of, of worshiping God. I don't know if we're reading our Bibles and paying attention. But David's own wife had a problem with him how he worshiped God. Look at him. He ain't got to do all that. He ain't got to worship God like that. The Bible talks about David worshiped God till his clothes came off him. And his wife standing there talking about, I can't believe you're embarrassing us. Why would you even go out there doing that? Why are you embarrassing us? I'm just giving today's language. Why are you embarrassing us, David? You're the king. I mean, God, can't you have done something different? Couldn't you have wore something different so it wouldn't have came off you? That's how we are. And because she interfered with how David was worshiping his God, she never had children. Lord made her barren. And we were worrying about standards. We were worrying about requirements. <laughs> Man, help me, Holy Ghost. I hope I'm helping you so you see what you need to see. 
Because I'm telling you, I am so passionate about the things that I say to you these days more than ever before. Because I know there are people that's tricked, that's deceived, that have lowered their standards, that have lowered the bar, that are just trying to have an easy easy believism uh, relationship with Christ. I see it all. I'm not upset. I just want to equip you so you don't miss out on what God has for you. That's all. That's all. All right, let me try to move forward here and finish up. So experts have studied and concluded that people learn more by what they do as opposed to what they hear, read, or see. Today, learning by doing is commonly referred to as experimental learning or action learning. So we need to have action learning, right? We don't need to be just looking or just listening. As a matter of fact, uh, I was reading something it, uh, that, that talked about one of the reasons why churches aren't growing and churches aren't, aren't changing is because we do too much of this. And maybe what we need to do is I come in and I says, I, I talk for five minutes and when I'm done I says, all right, Sister Jackson, how about you come up here five minutes and, and, and continue what I, where I started in the same subject and let's hear what you got to say. Maybe that's what I need to start doing. Because we learn more by doing, not just sitting and listening. So we need to start, if, 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 if we, we got to change some things up. Or you need to start going, finding out. We have our ministry fair this Sunday. We need to go to these leaders of ministry and say, hey, I want to be a part of this ministry. I want to do something. What do I have to do? So I can start doing as opposed to just listening all the time. And if we start doing, we'll start studying the Bible ourselves so we can be distributors, retailers. Let somebody else be the consumer. Because I'm sure that's what's going to happen if we start doing. When a person is involved in doing, he or she increases the likelihood he will experience change that sticks. Sometimes we get, I've seen it over the years, we get all excited about, um, you know, something that's new. And man, I remember, Sister Jackson, you've seen it over the years. People get excited about the music, you know. Apostolic uh, church has always been good. I, man, when you look at these other churches and you watch how other churches um, do their thing, you're like, man, I feel bad for them. You know, when they, they sit there, they sing these slow, dragged out music. They just, you know, just everything just sounds dead and they don't move and anything. And then you think about how we just have a good time in the Lord. Like, man, thank God I got the truth. Because, man... I just couldn't last. I, I wouldn't be able to last in a church that do that. But you know what? They started it. And, you know, we just got to be there to help them. But, but, but we have people that have come and enjoy our praise and worship. And they'll come in for, you know, about six months having a good time. But because they didn't become doers, after the six months we didn't see them anymore. Because they were just only being consumers. And if you stay in the mode of just consuming, 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 and not distributing, you're going to find out, I will sound, you will start to tune me out. Because you're going to be like, man, 
because you're trying to consume. And I'm probably going to reiterate a lot of things. And so you're going to keep saying, I keep hearing that. And I hope the Lord's saying your other ear and you need to do it. That's why I'm letting him say it again. (laughs) The common approach is one in which a person receives instructions and more instructions and more instructions. But hearing only goes but so far. If we keep on thinking we're going to change by doing it the old way, which is just sitting and listening and learning. Matthew 7 and 24 says this. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, somebody say doeth them. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. This is God's word, red letters, that every person that hear the word of God and don't do it, you're building your house on sand. Sooner or later, you won't be in this anymore when you're hearing and hearing and never doing. But when you're hearing and then you go and do what you hear, he says you build your house on the rock. And when the storms come, when COVID come, you will find yourself back in the house of God. You won't be still home, says, you know, I haven't been back since COVID. You know what that was? They were building their house on sand. You know those are tough sayings. But there are people that haven't been back in the house of God because they were building the house by hearing and hearing and hearing and not doing. And the ones that heard and was doing, they couldn't wait to get back in the house. Come on now, let's lift this van. We got to go. Because they wanted to do something with what they have heard. You see the difference? All of us, church, I pray to God after this lesson, will be sure to get involved and do what has been in your heart to do. Because that's how you're going to change. That's how you're going to get closer to God. Remember what I told you. If we obey his commandments, we are his friend. And God shares his secrets. He shares his plans with his friends. You want God to share things with you? Get involved with serving. Obey his word. Do what his word says. And you will see God will begin to share more and more things with you. Hearing is not enough. One must do something with what they have heard. We got to do something. As Christians, we must not fear failure in attempt to be doers of God's word. So even though sometimes we just worry about failing, we can't worry about it. We got to say, God, I'm doing it unto you. So however it come out, it just come out. I'm going to give everything I can. I'm going to trust you to help me. However it come out, it come out. But I'm not going to not do it because I'm afraid of failure. Remember what they said. They said, 
um, the greatest fear, and we don't know if it's right, but you hear it a lot, the greatest fear is public speaking. And so you hear it a lot that people are always afraid to stand in front of people and speak. And that could be. We know it's in the top five or so. But that's what people say the greatest fear is public speaking. And I told you one of my uncomfortable situations, some of you have heard it, some of you haven't heard it. One of my uncomfortable situations, I remember I was on the outreach team. I was not a minister in the church. I, I don't know what I was. I was just serving God. And one um, um, one one. Sunday night, Sunday night, my, my pastor says, I want you to read the foreign missions report. And I got up in front of the church reading the, the, the foreign missions report. And you know those foreign countries. There's some names I don't know. And I got up there and I started to begin and some of it I got to say, uh, 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 what was I supposed to do? What was I supposed to do? Just tell the pastor, now nah, I'm good. I had to go put myself out there. And so I got to absorb all the comments. You said all a lot, and, and you didn't say that word right. What do you want me to do? I was in an uncomfortable situation, and I just embraced it. I did not uh, try to hide from it. I did not, not show up to Sunday night service, because some people would have done that. I ain't going back to no more Sunday night service, because he's not getting me to go up there and say nothing. I'm trying to help us to understand how we get, how we're changed, how we grow. It's going to be uncomfortable at times, but it's okay. Just know this. I'd rather be doing something for God and be embarrassed than doing something that's not for God and not be embarrassed. I don't, I don't care about being great at something that is not going to profit the kingdom of God or give me eternal life. I don't care about that. We can be great at all those things. It doesn't matter. Heaven and earth shall pass away. We will all one day leave this place. But what we do for Christ is what will last. That's where I want to make sure I am doing something. I'm not worried about messing up for God. I'm just not. If I do, I'll just say, God, help me in this situation. Jesus encouraged the 12 to attempt various things themselves. If they failed, he corrected them. And when they were successful... He rejoiced. Jesus spent three and a half years ministering on the earth. He went everywhere preaching the kingdom of God to multitudes, teaching people who he was and demonstrated, demonstrating his deity by working miracles. But he also spent much of his time with 12 men he had carefully selected and then trained, not in a formal educational setting, but in a field-type, real-life learning situation. And so that's where we grow. It's great for the formal teaching and instructions, but it's not until we get the practical, real-life scenario in serving that we will experience the growth that we need to experience, the change we need to experience. As Christians, it is urgent that we start modeling the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ and not just absorb information. We must ask ourselves, where do our people get to see someone model the expected behavior in real life situations today? If we cannot give a valid answer, we must begin to adjust our present model for discipling others. If we want to help people experience change that will stick, we must have, we, we have got to do something different, which is we got to start doing things. 
the Lord don't deal with the surface problems. He deals with the problems for the root. And so I'm closing up here. In Luke 22, verse 60, the scripture says, And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he had spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how that he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. That's Peter. But check this out. John ties up the loose ends of the story of Peter's denial of Jesus Christ when he wrote in John 21, verse 15. He says, so when they had dined with, they had dined, Jesus said to Peter, said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me or lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, feed my sheep. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. Notice. How Jesus dealt with Peter's failure. He could have lectured Peter on commitment. He could have talked about dedication, but he did not address Peter's behavior at all. Instead, Jesus penetrated to the heart of the problem and the man who had the problem. Instead of preaching a sermon or giving a lecture, Jesus asked Peter questions. Here we go with questions. He asked him three times, lovest thou me, Peter? He didn't lecture him. He didn't beat him up. He just asked him questions. Jesus does not ask if Peter is sorry for what he had done. He does not ask him if he will promise never to do it again. Peter's behavior is not the most important issue at hand. Jesus dealt with the underlying causes for Peter's behavior. Peter denied his Lord three times, and three times Jesus forced Peter to examine the root cause of his problem. Peter's behavior was important, but Jesus knew change would not stick if the root of the behavior were not addressed. The Lord don't deal with our surface issues. He get to the root of the problem and address it from there. And how change is going to take place. I, I, and can I tell you this in case you don't know this. If you ever have to sit with me and talk and you need my help with something, you're going through something, you're challenged with something, you will never have me um, wallow with you in all that's wrong with you. I don't care about that. Because I know I'm flawed just like you're flawed and all of us are flawed. And I realize that's what our master does anyway. He don't get you all wallowing in your pity and in all what's wrong and in your flawed ways. He's a problem solver. 
He gets to the root of the problem and get it resolved. And so we're not interested in all of what's not working, all of what's wrong, trying to make someone out to be whatever or to, to let them seem like they're not, you know, good people. I'm not interested in that because I don't care who you are, how spiritual you walk around and look. You have made a mess at some point. You have done wrong in the eyes of God at some point because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So I'm not worried about the mess. I'm not worried about the problem. Let's talk about how we can change. Let's talk about how we can move forward. Let's talk about how we can be better. Let's talk about how we can resolve the issue. But forget about the issue. It already happened and we can't change it. That's the way Jesus went about it. Just saying. Loving God and doing his will must be at the core of who we are. It is what makes us fertile for change. That's a simple statement that you might have overlooked and neglected. Let me say it again. Loving God and doing his will must be at the core of who we are. So, if you can ever get to the place of... Of, of being motivated by loving God or your love for God while you're doing what you do, man, life becomes so much simpler. Why you dress like that? Man, because God likes this. God's, God likes this. This is why I dress like this. Man, why you go to church so much? Because God loves it. And I go to church all the time. If you're doing it because it's a position of, I love him because he loved me first, it changes the game. Unfortunately, many of us say, I love God. And what I would like for you to ask yourself tonight, comparing to what God consider, well, what God is, to what you say you are or what you do, try to make the two work. If you say you love God, why are there some things we have to convince you to do that God says? Forget about what I say. Why is it a struggle to do what God says if you love him? And you know what I always say? Where are we going to have to give an account? Some of us are in relationships where we say we love the person. And because we say we love the person, we do all kind of things. You hear me? You don't embarrass yourself for the person you love. You don't bent over backwards for the person you say you love. You don't compromise yourself for the person who you say you love. Okay, now ask yourself, do I love Jesus for real? I'm staying out of it because I got to do that myself. Everybody on their own on that one. I'm just here to present the question. That's all I'm here to do, present the question. That if we say we love God and we really love God, how does that compare with the people in our lives that we claim we love? And don't let me get real deep on it. Some of us, some of the situation could be, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. But I can take it deeper and really mess with you. Your kids. Now talk to me. Your kids. How you love your kid. 
Do you love that kid more than Jesus? Or do you love Jesus more than that kid? That's how you figure out where am I with what I say I am, how much I love God. So when we look at our love for spouse, for kids, for, for, for parents, when we look at that love, we need to ask ourselves that. Do we really love God? Or the love that we say we have for God, is it really love or it's just something natural to say? I love God. It sounds good. I love God. Let me provide for you five characteristics of genuine love when we say we love God. True love is sacrificial. True love is demonstrated in obedience in Christ. True love always communicates truth. Don't lie to yourself. True love takes the initiative in meeting the legitimate needs of others. We are distributors, retailers, not consumers. We're supposed to meet other people's need. We have enough to go and give to others. We have enough to say, let me take care of that for you. True love will always bear fruit with abiding results. So, change is possible. If we are rooted in loving the Lord Jesus Christ and doing his will. When we are asked questions or when we ask questions as opposed to seeking answers, change is possible. And finally, when we hear the word of God and we do what it says, change is possible. Let's stand. Does anyone have a question? A question before we close out here tonight. Any question? All good? Good to see everybody tonight. Remember what I said Sunday. I am challenging us as a church to change. I'm not telling you anything is wrong with what's going on now. But God has so much more for us. We can't just be satisfied with where we are. We have to realize that God has so much more for us. He wants to do so much more in our life that if we will just say, God, here I am. I will be uncomfortable if I have to. I will sacrifice as much as I need to. I will be obedient to your word as much as I have to. I don't care how I look before people because all that I do, I do it unto you. God wants to use us to make a difference in our church in our environment, where we work, in our homes. I heard, I read a post the other day. The Dibbles are coming October 27th, 28th, and 29th. They're my good friends. And they're coming to minister here. Sister Dibble will minister Saturday morning on Christian parent, parenting. They have four children, and they have done a stellar job. I mean, stellar job raising their children. But I saw a post the other day, and I said, oof. 
and it says that if we raise our children up as apostolic Pentecostal, they will recognize and they will know their identity. But if we don't show the same apostolic Pentecostal way of living in home as we do in church, we can cause them to not have the right identity. And they will struggle with identity if we're one way in church and another way at home. They will struggle with their identity. But if we can be consistent, this is why I'm saying, no matter how much we think we're good, man, there's room for improvement. Man, there's room to be better. Because these are areas that we need to tighten up. And so if we can have the same way of being here and at home and at work and at school, when we drive in our cars, whatever it is, if we will have the consistency of being a child of God, a true man of God, a true woman of God, we will not cause anybody to not have the right identity that we're close to. God wants to change us so we can be change agents. You've heard that before. But it's true. He wants us to be able to make a difference. I will not get off of this. The day, y'all, I guess I can say probably when I die, my casket will be right here. I guess I can say that now because we're going to be here for a minute. So I think the Lord is going to come back before anything. But the day that I die, I'm in the casket. I pray to God the Northeast will be experiencing the, the, the apostolic Pentecostal revival like they have never seen. Because it's in my soul, it's in my spirit that I am done making excuses. I'm done listening to, to, to excuses about why the Northeast isn't as powerful in a, in, in, a, in a Christian way, in a godly way like it needs to be. I am not trying to hear nothing about that. Because I am all about what's going to happen in the Northeast. That we are going to operate. And I'm not going to say more powerful than the Bible Belt. Because we don't, we're not in competition. All I know is this. You will always. The, 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 the church will always be positioned. And have a certain kind of presence and authority. According to where they are. What do you mean by that? Because of where we are, God has to use us in a certain way to affect and impact where we are. In this area, we are so consumed with our status, consumed with power, consumed with money, consumed with identity. That's what it is here in the Northeast. We're selfish. We're about ourselves. We're about, look at what I can accomplish. I'm going to make the most money. Look what I've achieved I've got the greatest education. That's what we got over here in the Northeast. It's okay. What I'm telling you is because of that, God has to equip his church a certain way to handle that. So how we're going to do it 
is because the power of God is going to flow in our lives like we would have never dreamed of. Because that's the only way we're going to make a difference. So God is going to equip you with so much knowledge in his word that when the educator comes, you can speak with the best of them. God is going to equip you with so much. You're going to be so full of the Holy Ghost that you will be able to come up against any forces of evil that will come against you. I am telling you what God will have to do in order for his gospel to continue to fill the northeast corridor, we're going to have to be in a place where God can do great things through us. It's going to happen with or without us. All God ever need, one man or one woman. He, he, he didn't say give me a crowd. One man, one woman. And if he can find that one person, he will work through them and he might get another one over here and another one over there. But before you know it, what he wants to achieve will be achieved because that's what God wants. And the Northeast is going to experience such a revival that the Bible Belt is going to be talking about us. They're going to be talking about us. Let's lift our hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I can't get it out of my heart. I can't get it out of my mind. But I know you're doing a work in us. The devil don't like it and he's going to challenge us. He's going to try to tempt us. He's going to try to lead us away from what you have in store for us. But I pray that our faith will not fail us. That no matter what the battles, no matter what the struggles, no matter what the challenges are, Lord God, that we will stand fast, that we will be steadfast, unmovable, unshakable, that we, Lord God, will put on the whole armor of God, that no weapon formed against us will prosper, and that, God, we will be able to carry out uh, your instructions, Lord, that we will become, Lord God, the distributors, the retailers, and not so much the consumers, Lord God. We want to be used by you, Lord God. I thank you for the revival, Lord God, that is just pearl, just moving, that's just trembling in this area, Lord. I thank you for the move of God that we're about to experience. I thank you for the change, Lord God, that will begin to break. I thank you for the lives that you're getting ready to change. I thank you, Lord, for the homes that you are getting ready to change. I thank you, Lord, for the relationships that you're getting ready to change. I thank you, Lord God, for the church planters that you will send, Lord God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the financial provision that we will need to go forward and do what you want us to do. I thank you, Lord, for the boldness and the courage that men and women of God will have, that they will go forward to do the work of God. I thank you for equipping us with the Word of God, the knowledge of God, that we're able, Lord God, to be used of you for the glory of the Lord. I thank you, Lord, for people that will be determined, for people that will sacrifice, for people that will say, God, I will do whatever you want me to do. I will make no excuses. I will not be complacent. I will not settle. But, oh, God, I will give you my whole heart. I will be your conduit. I will be your instrument, your hands and your feet and your echo. God, I pray for church that, Lord, the culture will be so different, Lord, as you begin to work in us, as you begin to change us. There will be an apostolic Pentecostal culture that will take a grip of us, that we, Lord God, will not be afraid to live this lifestyle. We will not be afraid, oh God, to declare, oh God, what you are doing in our 
hearts and minds. Father, have your way in this church, Lord, that we will grow and grow and grow for the glory of God, that we will expand and expand for the glory of God, for the kingdom of God, not for man's recognition, but for God's recognition, for the glory of God, for people to be saved, for lives to be changed, for truth to be published and declare, for people to have understanding of your word and know who you are. God, here we are. We're asking, Lord, that you have your way and we will not neglect, oh God, to be obedient and go forward in your word. Oh, my God. Oh, hallelujah. There's people in this church. There are so many people that you're going to lead into church. I feel it in my heart, in my soul. You will be used by God to lead tens and hundreds of people to the truth. You will have godly impact where people's lives will be changed. Communities will be changed because God will use you because you didn't care and you gave yourself to him. And you said, God, here I am. Use me. Use me. Use me. Thank you for your anointing upon us, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. (laughs) Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Don't you worry, church. Don't you fret. God is with you. God is with you. I don't care what your struggles are. I don't care what your situation is. I'm here to tell you God is with you. God is for you. God is opening doors even now as we speak. God is making a way out of no way. God is providing and supplying all your needs. Don't you worry. Don't you fret. Oh, be steadfast and unmovable because God is doing something in your life even as we speak, even as we pray tonight. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Somebody just love on the Lord. Just tell him how much you love him. Just tell him how much you adore him. Just tell him how much you appreciate him. He has been so good. He is so good. He's been better to us than we ever could be to ourselves. He has been good to us. Even when we weren't good to him, he was still good to us. Because that's the nature of our God. That's the nature of our God. He is just good. Oh God, we worship you. We praise your name and we bless your name. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness. Change is possible. Hallelujah. God bless your church. Have a great rest of your evening. I love you and I appreciate you.